Y'all got your Bibles? Turn it to the book of St. John, chapter 1. Everybody just say, praise the Lord. We're finally out of Deuteronomy. <laughs> and we shouldn't look at Bible study that way. We were blessed in the, in the study of Genesis through Deuteronomy, which was the study of the law as was given to Moses. Of course, we all know that a lot of things was added to that law uh, thereafter. Uh, there was just lots and lots more added to the law where it turned into almost laughable some of the things that, uh, that, that they came up with. Uh, and it also turned into a great time of hypocrisy where they made laws to uh, fit rules, but they only applied them in certain situations. You all know what, how that works today. Uh, you see it in our political arena all the time, one side accusing the other side, and one side doing this, one side they just thought oh, it wasn't fair, you didn't do it this bad. We see that today even in our own government. Uh, the, the government of the church should not be that way. It should be fair all the way around to everybody. It's not always that way. And it's a shame. And it's also a sin. And we have to remember that God will take care of all this stuff on these days. And so don't think just because people do you a certain way or act a certain way and, and they're different other times that they, they're getting by with nothing. God keeps accurate, accurate records. He don't forget nothing. We all got to face that one of these days. So let's just remember that. And uh, I, I think if we could apply the golden rule that Christ laid out, that we treat everybody as we want to be treated, uh, we we could uh, get by a lot better, don't you? Mm -hmm. So we're going to be in the book of St. John. And before we get started reading this, uh, uh, I, I, I do I write a lot. And uh, and when I when I went to study uh, John. Uh, John, by far, St. John, is my favorite book of the entire Bible, bar none. It's, uh, it, it is by far my favorite uh, gospel uh, because, uh, you know, this gospel was probably written when he was late in life. Uh, they, I, in my study Bible says it was probably sometime after the destruction of the temple, which Jesus said was 70 years after he proclaimed it. John was already an old man by this time, or it happened in AD 70, it wasn't 70 years, but uh, anyway, it, it happened, and, uh, and they assumed that it had already happened because he didn't mention it. Uh, it also assumed, and the Sadducees had, were, were no longer ever mentioned again after the, uh, the, te the temple was destroyed. Anyway, they've got their reason for believing that, and I believe that too. And uh, John was an old man, by this time, and he was still a persecuted man by this time. And the thing you need to remember about John, he was the only surviving apostle. There was not, none of the rest of them left, even when he wrote these scriptures here. There was none of them left. They had all been uh, martyred. And uh, so he, he had a lot to think about. He was uh, personally very close to Christ. He was uh, the one that called himself the the uh, disciple that Jesus loved, as the way he referred to himself, uh, he was uh, uh, a man that uh, it was it was prophesied by Christ that uh, that he would be the only one that would live till, till he died a natural death. It was uh, there was a lot of things about John, and there was a reason for it. He was the one that Christ gave his mother to before he died, that he trusted with his mother. And uh, there was just a whole lot of stuff that, that makes me really love John. And, and you realize the respect. And it's hard to think that God had respect. 
with God because he's not a respecter of persons. Yet he gave his mother to, to John because he knew John would take care of her and guard her with his life. He knew that. And so uh, he, he, it says a lot about, about him. He, uh, he not only uh, was privileged this way, but he was also privileged to witness some things that, that nobody else of his day had ever witnessed. He had, he had walked with Christ uh, from the days of John the Baptist until then, until he wrote this gospel. And also he was privileged to, he had, he had been personally witness to his death on the cross. He and, and uh, Martha and Mary were the three that the Bible mentioned that were standing close enough to the cross they could hear every word Christ said. Uh, he, he witnessed that. He witnessed every bit of it. He went into the temple when they arrested Christ. He was the one that was allowed to go in there. He went further than Peter did. Peter couldn't go but to a certain place. He went around that fire. John went on in and he could actually hear what was going on. He was witness to that and he also was witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and he says in the, in the scripture in 1 John, uh, not St. John, that he actually touched him, he listened to him, he walked with him, he, he was privileged all that. And so this gospel is so important uh, because he, he's realized in his old age that there's something that we all need to know. And in, in knowing this, he says, you must have your own. Everybody say my own. My own. Personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We have to have our own. I mean, we do. We've got to have our own relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't make it on mine. I can't make it on yours. And no matter how close we are, it don't work that way. So when John wrote this gospel, he focused on something the other gospels didn't focus on. Not that they didn't mention these things, but he focused on... The, the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. He focused on that because he knew he had been filled with that Spirit. And here he is, an old man, still being persecuted, and he's still fighting the good fight. He knew that if he hadn't had the experience that he did, and he didn't receive the power that he did, he wouldn't made it this far. He knew that. So he's wanting to tell us what we got to do and know to experience this power that will last us the rest of our lives. Amen. To get us from point A to the end. From salvation to resurrection. From salvation to the coming of Jesus Christ. And so this is what he focuses on. And he uses he uses the words of Christ to do it. He uses what he heard Christ say to do it. And I'm glad that these apostles were given something that I don't have. And that's great recall. And I believe everything they wrote is absolutely true, and I think God meant it for them to remember it, and he helped them to remember everything he wanted written. And I think maybe that's one reason the Lord allowed John to live the length of life that he did, because he knew he was going to write us this gospel and tell us some things we're going to have to know. So I'll get kind of emotional while we're studying the book of John, because when I think about him, you know, we all kind of resemble Peter, most of us, loud, obnoxious, always sticking our foot in our mouth, always getting in trouble, always, and, and that happens to most of us so we can relate to Peter. But if I wanted to pick an apostle, I wanted to be like it would be John. I want to be like Christ, so because that, that's what John liked. So we're going to start reading this, and, and we're going to read the first four verses, and, uh, and, and because these first four verses 
tells us so much about Jesus. It's, it's just a short little writing that tells us so much about who Jesus Christ is. Okay, somebody read that for me. Verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Shut up. Read one more for me, brother. Fine. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So John started his off, and he started off just exactly the way Moses started Genesis chapter 1 in the beginning. And he does this for a specific reason. He does this for a, a purpose. He, he, because what he's fixing to tell us will only make sense if he starts in the beginning. And so when he, when he started this, he said, he said it, the, the Word was there in the beginning. And notice it, I don't know how it is in your Bible, but in my Bible there's a capital W at that Word. Mm -hmm. And so he's referring to Jesus Christ. And he's going a little later on, he's going to explain why he did it this way. And so he, he, because we we all know and understand that God spoke this world into existence. I don't care what anybody else ever tells you. Don't listen to the lies. God spoke the worlds into existence. Amen. 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 And so he wanted us to make that perfectly clear. Y'all, what he tells us right here is a little bit like learning math. If you don't learn the basics of math, mm -hmm. you'll never know anything about math the rest of your life. It'll never make any sense. But if you learn the basics of math, addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division, you'll be able to handle math the rest of your life. But you've got to learn that. This is something we got to know. If you want to know who Christ is, you've got to know who Jesus Christ is. If you don't, you're going to be messed up in the rest of your walk with the Lord. You've got to know who He is. You've got to be able to explain who He is. So John's telling us, he was the Word, and look at the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hallelujah. The Word was God. And, and so the people who attack the Word of God now, they're not attacking just the Word of God. They're not attacking just the Bible. They're, talk, they're attacking the God of the Bible. Because yeah. the Bible says that He is that Word. That Word is Him, and you can't separate them. And this Word that He's talking about is eternal. It's not just for down here. And it, it, it's been written over centuries of time by, by bunches of people. And he said it remains forever. And it's in, it's in heaven. Amen. So they may change it down here. They're not going to change it up there. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you what. They're not getting the com They don't have the commentaries up there. <laughs> they don't have the theologians. And I hope the theologians make it. But what I see in my study Bible, I'm going to wonder sometimes whether they're going to make it or not. They don't have Bibles of theology. They don't have any. They've got this word is what they have in heaven. Now, there are other books that are written by God. The book, <laughs> the book of Remembrance is one of them. The Book of Life is another one. But the Word of God is there. It's established just like we have it, and it's there. Mm -hmm. Amen? It's there. And so he and it says, and so the same, talking about the Word, capital W, the same was in the beginning with God. Amen. So now he makes a separation and a distinguishment against uh, with the, the, the beginning, the Father and the Son is what he's doing. Are they separate? No, they're the same. But yet, they're different. 
They're the same, yet they're different. And we'll get into that here before it's over with too. It's something you've got to understand because God is a spirit, the Bible says, and no one has ever seen him. Amen? Amen. He's a spirit. That's why the Bible says we have to worship him in spirit and in truth because that's who he is. He's a spirit. And it said that the spirit in the beginning in Genesis was over the world, over the, the, the mass of gas or the water it calls it. It was over, the spirit was over that. And the first thing, what was the first word that was spoken? Let there be light. Amen. What the first words he spoke to it was, let there be light. And guess what? Boom, there it was. It lit up. Well, we're, not, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But the same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now he says something else about this word, capital W, and this person that's the word. And, and he's telling us that he was there in the very beginning. <laughs> He was there when everything was spoken into existence, and it says that that uh, without him, that, that 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 without him, there was nothing made. He was present when everything was made. It's almost like we're not talking about Jesus Christ, but John's wanting us to know who he really is. And by the time of life that he is, he knows for sure who Jesus was. From what he had seen, what he had witnessed, and what he... I don't see how he made up his mind how to start this gospel, to be honest with you. He had seen so much. And I want to tell you another thing. 90% of the stuff that's written in the book of St. John is found in no other gospel. There's only just a few. I looked it up. There's only one miracle that was found in all four gospels that's included in the book of John. Does anybody know what that one miracle is? Huh? What is it? Feeding of the, the feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle that every one of them talk about. The only the, 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 the book of St. John is the only book that records the first miracle Jesus did. It's the only book that tells us about Lazarus being laid, raised from the dead. And that's amazing to me that it's the only book that's, that says this. It says it. And so that's the reason we need all the Gospels, amen? And, and, and that's the reason we need the whole Bible because without the whole Bible, you don't get the whole picture. And, and, and it ain't, it, you know, serving the Lord in Christianity without the Bible it, it, and, and without studying the Bible, you can only get half the picture. Well, you know what happens when you only get half the picture? I do. You try to draw the rest of it for yourself. You ain't never going to get that right. And that's where people get in so much trouble. They go to trying to fill in the blanks about the stuff they don't know. That's why we need to, if, 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 if he, if the Word is a person, don't you think it, that, that it means we need to read the Word? And if you read the Word, you get to know who that person is. And not only what, what, who he is, but what he wants you to do and what he wants you not to do. Amen? You know, as, as human beings, we're we're real prone to try to do something without reading instructions. <laughs> yeah, this is the instruction book, right? I've gotten in a lot of trouble over the years like that, haven't uh -huh. you? Yeah, put something together. Where did this part go? Uh -huh. Right in the middle. Uh -huh. Anyway, yeah, and so all these all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. 
Now look at this. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So he started telling you these things, and if you know anything about who Jesus Christ said he was, then you, it begins to dawn on you that he's talking. If you didn't have another gospel, and you, and you knew something about Jesus, you started to say, okay, we, we know who he's talking about. And it's amazing here in a little bit, he just kind of quit talking about him. And he goes to John the Baptist. But anyway, so in him was the light, and the light was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And so we find out what it is in our world today that causes people not to serve God, that causes people not to believe in God, because the, the Bible says those who live in darkness, which are lost people, in the darkness of sin, don't recognize the light of the world. They don't recognize it. They don't see the light. They don't know the light. And they refuse to acknowledge the light. Amen? Later on, it's going to tell us that, that men chose to live in darkness rather than in the light. And Christ is going to say that himself to us when, 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 he, when we read it. And so this is, uh, this is what it is. He is the light. When the Lord said, when the, the Father spoke and said, let there be light, guess who lit up? <laughs> Jesus did. He lit it up. We see that in the Mount of Transfiguration. He lit everything up. Amen. Amen. He, and he did the whole world that way in the beginning. And he's a powerful light. The Bible says about him in the, in the new heaven, in the new earth, that there's no need of the sun, moon, or stars. You know why? Because there ain't no night for one thing. There's no shadows and there's a reason for that because he is the light thereof. And he's not only a light, he's a light that does not cast shadows. He's an all-encompassing, surrounding light is who he is. And that's a, that's a picture of the light that he is in our lives. He's all around us. He's encompassed us. He's it's just like he's got us and he's pulled us and he just lit up all around us. And we're supposed to be a display of the light of God. And we, but we know what? We let things get in our way. We let things trip us up. I, I do. And, and, and we have to stop and ration out what it is that's worth fighting over and what it is ain't worth fighting over. And we have to let that light continue to shine and continue to work, no matter where people agree with you or not. You just continue to work. No matter where you have help or not, you just continue to work. And you work for the glory of God. And you're going to be rewarded for the work of the glory of God that you accomplished in your life. Amen? And you know what? There's going to be a lot of what we call failures that we're going to get blessed for. Amen? There's going to be a lot. Jesus approached... Remember the rich young ruler when Jesus approached him and he told him what he needed to do to be saved and the man walked away from him. When we do that, we're not guaranteeing anybody we tell about Christ is going to be saved. They might tell you you're stupid, you're crazy, you're not, they might even cuss you out. They may even want to fight you and tell you, don't talk, talk to me anymore, I don't want to hear this joke. But you know what? You did your part. Yeah. <laughs> You've done your part. Now it's up to them. And the same applies in our walk with God all the time. We're supposed to do right no matter how much wrong is going on around us. Amen? I'm supposed to keep preaching because that's what I've been called to do. No matter whether you like my preaching or not. No matter whether you agree with me or not. I'm still going to preach the Word of God. And that, I'm going to add something to that while I'm on my soapbox here. 
I'm going to preach what the Lord lays on my heart. I don't take orders from anybody else. Amen. Thank the Lord you don't. Thank you. When I preach from the Word of God, I'm preaching from the heart of God. Am I better than No, I'm not better than anybody else, but I'm the one who anguishes over it. I'm the one who prays over it. I'm the one who cries over it. I'm the one who wants to make sure I go in that little cubby hole and I'm still begging God to make sure this is right. Mm -hmm. And you know what I hear all the time? I don't like your preaching. I do hear that. Mm -hmm. Amen. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not here to satisfy and tickle your ears. I'm here to tell you what thus says the Word of God and it's your work to hear it and comply to it, not Amen. complain about it. Amen. When you say, well, you were just talking to me, I hear that all the time. You were picking on me? No, it wasn't. God was talking to you. What are you going to do? Jump on the preacher for picking on you? Or you bow down to God for showing you what you're doing wrong? Which one is right? I know which one's right. Yeah. But it's for some reason, people can't do that. They get it in their mind. We're picking on somebody. God help us. Amen? Amen? God help us not to be that way. He is the light that shineth in the darkness, and the darkness can comprehend it not. Hmm. It's amazing how folks you sit in the church house, we're supposed to be lit up, still be in darkness, isn't it? Oh well, I get off my soapbox now. Somebody, any questions about this? The Word was God. Any questions about it? You know, you, you, you said you wondered how John started off with the first verse, how he chose to do it that way. I think it was inspiration from, from God for him to start it like that so that he could put it right out in front of us. Oh, no, no doubt. There was the Holy Spirit telling him what to write, yeah. and he knew it. Yeah. Amen. And, and he was so close to the Lord. You know, when he wrote uh, the gospel, he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He wrote Revelation. You know, theologians don't even like giving credit for writing all the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, nor do they like to give him credit for writing Revelation. That's why I don't like theology. That's why I don't like theologians when they tell things. They don't know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I'll give you an example. And neither the science. Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. I was watching this thing on the other day about draining the oceans. I love that. And they found three ships in the Gulf of Mexico end to end. One right in front of the other one. And they identified those ships. One of them was a pirate ship. One of them was a ship loaded with, uh, with uh, calf hides. And they found the cow hides. The reason they knew what it was. And there was another one in front of it that was empty. That there was no evidence of it having a cargo. And it was a big, long schooner, a fancy boat. Mm -hmm. And they sat there and they said, now, we know this was a pirate ship. They had the guns, the cannons, all these muskets were piled up at one end. They could see all that stuff. And then this other one had the, was a ship and it had the furs in it. And this other one was just a hull. And they said, well, you know, that, that ship could have been carrying a cargo, but it might have been perishable stuff that couldn't survive the ocean. But before it was over with, you know what it became? It became a slave ship that was carrying slaves and the pirate ship was there to escort it and the furs were coming from Africa too. They had no idea where any one of these three boats came from but all of a sudden that's what it turned into. Uh -huh. yeah. It sounded good. Huh? It sounded good. 
It, that's because they thought, wow, we're going to get a reaction out of this. That's the same way theology works. Yeah. I'm going to show these people they're stupid and I'm not. I know lots more than they do. Mm -hmm. I'm going to interject myself into the scripture. I'm going to put myself there just like they put us in the bottom of the ocean. They rolled away the water. They, they rolled away the water. I don't even know what they're showing even down there or not. And they interject themselves into the Word of God and try to tell us and fill in the blanks so we can understand because they know. No, they don't. Theology has got an easy definition. It's theory. And it ain't fact. You know, not, not theology, but uh, one of Max Lucado's books that he has, you know, he always writes a little bit on there. It's, it is fictional, but it's to make you, make you think. And, and one of them is John, the last the last one in a church, and he, he and it's him thinking to himself, "I got to make sure he gets it right, cause I'm the last one there are." And I'm telling you, before you finish that chapter, it'll make you cry, because he, he's, I got to keep them going. I got to make sure that they don't have mistakes, or they know what we were doing, how tired we were when this happened. And he's not telling that, and and it's it's just a it's just real interesting. It's not it's not the it's it's fictional, but yeah. Uh, but, Max, Max is good at that kind of stuff, and and that I'll never forget how he writes that. I wish I could find it still. I'd like to read it, but yeah, again, but uh, and so, but we have to be careful in this stuff right here that we interject what it don't tell us. Okay, all right. Somebody read for me verses uh, six through fourteen, please. I will. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same name for a witness, a bear, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which they were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and he beheld his glory, and the glory as of only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So this, this little bit that he just read contains some of the saddest scripture in the whole Bible. And it's, it, it contains some of the most glorious scripture in the whole Bible altogether. What is, uh, what is the saddest part is where the creator of all this world, John has established this reason he went, went to, did those first five verses. He wanted to establish that the creator was Christ. Mm -hmm. He was in he was he was there. Everything was there. He was the light. He says that right here. Notice the word uh, word is capital W. The word light is L. He's still talking about one person. Amen. He's still talking about this one person. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. So he he he, he wants them to know that he's not this John. This is a different John. And uh, so and uh, and, and he came as a witness, and we know John is the forerunner of Jesus Christ. We, we talked about that during, uh, during Christmas where uh, his, uh, Elizabeth and Zacharias, uh, she got pregnant, and John was the baby that was, that was conceived there. 
And uh, so he, he was the forerunner, according to the angels, uh, what he told uh, Zacharias. He was the forerunner of Christ. He is the witness to bear witness of the light, capital L. And, and, and men, uh, that men through him, that all men through him might believe. Listen to me. The Lord is not willing that any man perish. Now perish ain't talking about living this life and dying. Perish is talking about the Lord is not willing that any man go to hell. Mm -hmm. the, the second death is the final death. Mm -hmm. The second death is eternal separation from God. <coughs> the first death just gets us to that. Okay? And so he, he, he's saying this, he said that, uh, that he wanted all men through him to believe and to be saved. And, and it goes on and he says, this John, in verse 8, he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which light of every man that cometh into the world. So the one that he introduces is going to be the true light. Now John, we, we don't know for sure that John experienced this. A lot of people believe that uh, that we know for sure Andrew was with John the Baptist, and when they encountered, when they saw Jesus and heard what the John the Baptist said about Jesus, the Andrew and this other disciple of John went with him. They followed him. Okay, so there were two other disciples that Christ would choose. We know one of them was Andrew, which was Peter's brother. We know they were with John, uh, with John the Baptist while he was baptizing before Jesus ever came. Mm -hmm. So we, from what we can read from the, 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 the writings of, uh, of John, he, it seemed like he was there with this. But we don't know that because the other ones were pretty, pretty uh, plain about it too. So that was the true light that lies every man that comes to the world. He was in the world, and look at this. This is the saddest one. The world was made by him but the world knew him not. Listen to me. Israel had spent all of their existence waiting for the Christ to show up. And when he showed up, they didn't have a clue who he was. You know why? Because they were the type of people that got in the Word and filled in the blanks and made it say what they wanted to say that wasn't what they wanted. Mm -hmm. Oh. Y'all, that can happen in the church yeah. too. Amen. <laughs> Think about that. Mm -hmm. We've got to be careful in the church. We can make the church in what God don't want it to be. We're not careful. This is His church. And, and, and if we're not careful, we can change everything about the church that don't resemble his church anymore. God help us to not do that. We have to be careful about that. And so he was in the world. The world knew him not. He came to his own, talking about Israel. Jesus was born a Jew from the tribe of Judah in the city of Bethlehem. He was born a Jew. And, he, and he, I know Joseph wasn't his daddy, but Mary was his mother and she was his Jew. And so he was born uh, uh, unto his own, the Jewish people, and they received him not. He came to his own people and they didn't receive him. But then in verse 12, John can't stand it no more. He, he's tired of this negativity. And he says, but as many as received him, 
To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Amen. On his name. Now, it's not enough that Jesus said that he that believeth on me as the scripture, he's going to say this in John, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So John makes this remark, you've got to believe on his name. This man that I've been writing about, this, this person I've been writing about, you've got to believe on him and you've got to believe he is who I say he is and who he said he was. It don't do you a bit of good to say I believe in Jesus, but you don't believe in that Jesus. That's the only Jesus there is to believe in. Amen? Amen. And that Jesus was in the beginning of creation. Think about that. And so he, he said, so when you believe on him, he will give you the power to be the sons of God, and uh, which were born, and, and I mentioned birth, which were, were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but God. So he, for the first time, he introduces us, uh, j just the tip of it, the born-again experience, which he's going to explain later on in chapter 3. He's going to lay it all out on the line for us. He's going to write about Jesus and Nicodemus, and he's going to, he, this is almost like a, a, a book that's being written that has an introduction, that has a thesis statement, and then he writes a gospel according to this first chapter. I love this. I'm about to, oh, I love this. And I'm not that educated, but I understand that this is the way authors try to write their own books to get you interested in them so, they can, so you'll continue to read. And this is very interesting stuff to me, especially the part where he tells them that he was in the beginning there. You, you know, he, he was, at, at the, at the word, word go, he was there. He was there. And it was all done by him, for him. And without him, it wouldn't have been done. He was no afterthought. No, he was not an afterthought. He's matter, out of him. matter of fact, he had us on his mind before he ever did that. Yep. Amen. Whew. You don't think God ain't ahead of the rest of us. Where's, where's his mind right now? Amen. We're still sitting there. When you coming? When you coming? He's done way past that. He got. He's building it for us. Our part is to believe he's coming. Our part is to be ready when he gets here. That is our big part. Our part is to be ready to go occupy what he's building for us. And you know what? There's a lot of people who think they're ready that are clueless of what it takes to be ready. It's really simple. You be doing about it, going about his business doing what he's asked you to do, being the church that he's called you to be, carrying on the work that he came and started for us and empowered us to do. What is that? Business meetings? Buildings? Vans? Sunday school literature? Come on, we're in church. What is it? Bringing other people to him. If we could just get rid of all this other junk and do that, we'd be so much better off that we'd have to build another building. I'm telling you. And you know what? People come to this. That door like out there is almost like we need to tear all those two doors out and we need to put a pedestal in the middle and just make a swinging door. They people come in that door and go out the same way. They'll come in and be here for a week, a month, or a year, and they'll swing right back out that door. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Amen. It's sad. But it's true. Whose fault is that? Ours? Ours? Mm. 
No, I refuse to take responsibility for that. It's their responsibility. Because you know why? They love the darkness more than the light. And they want to go somewhere where somebody's going to preach what they believe. They want to say what they want to hear. They want to, they want to hear what they want to hear. And if you're not telling them what they want to hear, they don't want to hear you. Amen. Y'all, we can get our feelings hurt and leave. Now that really accomplishes the will of God, don't it? Huh? When we do that, you know who's won? The devil. Because he's here to maim. To lame. And, and lie and destroy. How does he do that? By turning people on each other. And a lot of them just, well, okay, devil, I'm going to hear I don't want to do a good fight anyway. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. The Bible, me and Ron were talking about this a while ago. The Bible tells us to run from evil, but fight the devil. Mm -hmm. And you know what we do? We run to evil. We run to evil. Mm -hmm. And we run from the devil. We in church now. Y'all didn't know this was coming out of today's chapter, did you? I didn't either. John wants us to know what we got to do to keep from doing that, and we're gonna find out through this whole this whole book. He's gonna tell us over and over and over and over and over what we got to do to to get where we need to be. And I love this chapter four, verse fourteen. Y'all know I quote this thing all the time. And the word was made flesh. The Word, capital W, was made in flesh and dwelt among us. And John, you know, when John wrote this, his, his heart just thumped after heart. And we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, John had got to thinking about the time he laid his head in Christ's bosom and he could hear his heart beating. How he must have felt when he wrote this right there. He knew who Jesus was. He wants us to know who Jesus is. Ain't no was to Jesus. He's an is. He's, a, he's an I am, by the way. No, he's not an I was. And the world tried to make him that. Amen? He was the word that was made flesh. All the word pointed to him. And in the New Testament, all the word points from him. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. And we're on our way. Those who have done what verse 12 says and believed on his name. Any questions? Mm -hmm. Somebody read for me verses 15 through 18, please. John bear witness of him and cried, saying, This is he of whom I spake. He that cometh it. That's 15. Mm -hmm. okay. 15 through 18. I was busy being corrected. <laughs> this was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all, all we received in grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. 
the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Okay, so now we we'll go back to John the Baptist. And John is, is telling what John the Baptist said about him. And he said, and he cried saying, This was he of whom I spake, talking about John himself, that he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now somebody tell me who's older, Jesus or John, in, earth, in, in the flesh? John the Baptist. John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus Christ. Because it was six months after the angel talked to Elizabeth and Zacharias that he went to Mary and then she went to her. So there was six months difference in that time. The Bible gives us, Luke gives us that time frame. So, and, and uh, he was far enough along, he was a developed fetus, the baby was. And he jumped and leaped and got filled with the Holy Ghost when, it, when Mary made her salutation about the angel in Christ. She, she was praying with the Christ child. And so, <laughs> yet, you know, somebody asked me today, well, uh, you mean Jesus didn't know John? John didn't know Jesus? They didn't know one another. The Bible's going to tell us that here in a little bit, but they didn't know one another. How many of you know all your cousins? Now they're not first cousins. I know all of my first cousins, but them seconds, thirds, and fourths—I might know a few of them. And usually, when I run into one of them, I know who they should belong to, and they'll tell me, "No, that's not my mama." Well, you look just like I know, but I'm her brother's daughter. So they—they they didn't know one another. Okay, and so he said, but I am here to bear witness of him because he is preferred, he is greater than I am. Y'all, we need to make sure that we give Jesus a prominent place over us. Y'all listen? Just because Jesus became a man don't make us on equal ground. We're never going to be there. That means we don't have a right to ever speak for him. Amen. We don't have a right to choose what we're going to do for him. Amen. He is preferred over us. He became a little lower than the angels, but he was still way higher than the rest of us. He knew things that we don't know. Lots of things that we don't know. Amen. And so the word became flesh and we beheld this. And, and John is talking about this and he said, and of his fullness have we received, uh, have, have all we received and grace for grace. So he came to save us by his grace through faith. That's what he came for. And then he, he talks about the law being given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Moses gave them the law. And remember, and Moses prophesied before we finished Deuteronomy that there was going to be a, a prophet like him but much greater than him. And that was the comparison that John making to answer that, that question people might have had, well, how is he going to be like me but different? <coughs> Moses brought the law, but Jesus Christ brought grace. Jesus Moses gave the law. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. Jesus wasn't a prophet. He, he was not. That's why at the end of it, it says Moses was the greatest prophet. There'll never be any greater. Uh -huh. Won't be none greater than that. But Jesus even changed that. He said no greater man was ever born of a woman than John the Baptist. And John was the last prophet. Mm -hmm. 
But that, but we'll get into that later on in John 2 because Jesus tells us who John was. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're going to get into a whole lot of things here. And, and, and if we're not if we're not careful, if we just read the Bible, you can read that and it just it just kind of jumbles up in your brain. But when you study it and look at it in short segments like this and, and go over, you know, people say, I just run I just run hey, Brother Gary just runs me crazy. He he can take five verses and talk a whole hour on it. We better analyze it that way. We better look at it that way, because you're gonna miss a whole lot if you don't. Amen. And so he he said, uh, he said, uh, he he said that Christ brought us grace, and no man has seen God at any time. Now this is where a lot of the Jewish people think, well, he can't be God. No man's seen God. He can't be God. There ain't no way a man is God. <laughs> ain't no way. They stumbled over all that. And the only begotten at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared the Father. And remember, Jesus said over and over, "I came to do the will of my Father. I can only do what my Father tells me to do. I can only do this, and only if the Father tells me to do this." When He prayed, He prayed to the Father. Amen. <coughs> And, and it just gets really confusing. The Trinity of God gets really confusing to, to a lot of people. But see, God's not limited like we are. He can be three people. They're all the same, but He, but he can be that. And he's, he's revealed Himself to us in three different fashions. As Father, as Son, and as Holy Ghost. Those are the three, three, uh, the three different What's the word? Manifestations of God. That's why God revealed Himself to mankind for three different manifestations. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they're all one. They're all one. And it's hard for... Yes, sir? What you're saying about the Trinity right now, is that the same teaching and belief as the United Pentecostal oneness? No. Uh, no. They believe that Jesus was God, and there was. Uh, they believe that we believe in three gods. They don't believe in three manifestations. That they can't explain it. And if you look, if, if you go to Google and look at the at the the uh, what the Pentecostals believe about God, and then read what the Baptists believe about God, you can't hardly distinguish the difference in them. But they make a difference in it. It's a word. It's, it's a word of. It's just play of words. It's a play of words. And, and they, they, their baptism, we baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost because that's what Jesus declared to do in, in Matthew. They, they baptize in the name of Jesus because that's what Peter told them to do at Pentecost. But who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? <laughs> and my, my thing is, well, what's the difference? Yeah. Mm -hmm. so it's just a play of words. It's a play of words. It's a way to control people and break people apart and make people go in different ways and say, okay, man, this bunch going to go... It's, it's a trick of the devil, it, and, and the devil's a copycat. Y'all know that? Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question. When the Tower of Babel was being built, what did God do to stop it? He confused their language. So the trick of the devil with the church, what's he going to do to stop us from building the Tower of God? He's going to confuse everything. 
Well, with, with and, and what are they going to do? Go ahead. Yeah, with A, he only twists one word. Yeah. He's gonna, and, and so these different languages broke up in different groups, and that's how different nations were formed with different languages. God calls that. But what's devil caused in the church? A division amongst one another about what I believe and what they believe. Uh -huh. yep. Amen? Yep. And it's all interpretation. Yeah. Don't think interpretation is not important. But you got to remember this: when there's two opposing views, there's only one truth. Mm -hmm. And that's where we better get. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing how far we can go to divide. And so, John says that he that he declares the Father. Jesus does. Somebody read for me verses 19 through 28, please. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elijah? And he saith, I am not. Art thou the, that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us, What saith thou thyself? And he said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ? nor Elijah, neither that prophet. John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you which ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Beth beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. Now I want you to notice something here, that, that these people came and wanted to question John about who he was. Why did they want to know who he was? Now these are, these are people that the priests had sent. The Pharisees and the scribes and the high priests had sent these people to ask John who he was because they heard something. What did they hear about? All of the people were flocking to this man. They were coming to this man. And he was baptizing them by water, in water. And they wanted to know who in the world he was. Because the thing about these scribes and Pharisees that we learned from the scripture, there's one thing that we learned. They were afraid of public opinion. And they needed a number of people to do the evil that they did. They needed to convince them that they were right, they were good. And that's why they would throw money every once in a while. About the trouble. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They bought votes, if you will. Old school politicians. <laughs> <laughs> so they want to know who this man was that all these people were flocking to. Mm -hmm. And so they did, and he said that, that this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask, Who are you? <laughs> and, he, and he confessed and denied not 
but confess, I am not the Christ. Now, what I believe about these scribes and Pharisees, they never thought he was the Christ. Y'all remember the description given to God about John, what he looked like? They were rough looking. If they didn't believe the man that was Jesus wasn't Christ, they sure wasn't going to believe John was. If John was walking out the door right now, he'd probably get shot. <laughs> yeah. He scares all the dead. Whoopsie. Whoops. So I would describe them with, with a camel hair, yeah. with a long bill, long beard, and locusts and wild honey stuck in his beard. They weren't looking for that, for the, but they want to know who, who is this that all these people are coming to. And you can imagine, and I'm going to use my imagination. I don't to tell people we don't need to do that, but I can imagine when these when, when these people that were sent to question him saw him, they probably thought, "What in the world is this priest worried about this guy for?" Uh -huh. Amen. And he didn't deny. He didn't. He, he, he didn't deny and say, "I'm him." He could have, but he didn't. He wasn't here for that. He was a righteous man, and so he said, "I am not the Christ." And they asked him, "Then, art thou Elias?" And it's not Elisha. It's Elijah that they're talking about here. You know why they said that? Because it was well. It was prophesied that Elijah would come before the Christ. And that's why they asked Jesus when that Jesus was saying, Eloi, Eloi, like somebody on the cross, they said, he's calling Elijah, let's see if he comes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They believed that. And so they asked him, well, are you Elijah? Because if he was Elijah, then he would be ushering in the Christ. And, and he said, and he said, I am not Elijah. And it's going to get a little confusing when Jesus tells us he was. But he gives an explanation of that when we get to it. And, he, and, and they said, well, art thou that prophet that Moses had spoke about? We were talking about a while ago. And he said, no. Now I'm going to tell you, Jesus, John the Baptist was a lot more than he even knew he was. He was a lot more to Christ than he even realized he was. The Lord had placed it on his heart to do these things that he was doing, and he was, man, he was doing it now. He was baptizing people right away. They were just flocking to him, coming and letting him baptize them. That's what Andrew and the other disciple was doing there. They were working with John, helping him in the work. They were overwhelmed by the result and response of people. Let me tell you what. If we get real with God and right with God, you you wouldn't believe how many people out there are wanting that and wanting to find that and come to that. And they will come. And he said, and they said to him, "Well, who are you? We got to give an answer to somebody. Who do you say you are?" And he said this, and he gave them a prophecy. Had they been the, the good Levites and the good scribes that they should have been, they'd have understood this prophecy. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As said the prophet Isaiah. Mm -hmm. Isaiah. Amen. 
Now they knew Jesus Christ was going to be born in Bethlehem on down the river. They, they knew at his birth where he was going to be born. And so they knew these things were coming to pass. They also knew there was going to be one that echoed and introduced him. There was going to be a forerunner. They knew these things. But when they saw Joshua, that ain't him. Now there's been a mighty angel in all his splendor glowing. Oh, that's him. He didn't fit the image that they had. <laughs> Not at all. And we had to be careful. Because a lot of times we get these preconceived ideas of what people are supposed to look like if they're Christian. John didn't fit the mold of none of us either. Amen. I gotta move on because it's time it's time to go on. And so and so they were sent, and they which were sent were of the Pharisees, and they asked him and said unto him, Why do you baptize then if thou art not the Christ, nor Elijah, neither that prophet? See, they, did, they, they didn't understand again. Because when the Bible talks in the Old Testament and prophesied that when the Christ came, he would baptize, they wouldn't talk about water baptism. They didn't know that. Amen? If you'll read the, the scripture, Jesus was at baptism, but it never says that he baptized. Matter of fact, it says he didn't baptize anybody. <laughs> he didn't baptize anybody. He left that up to the disciples that did that. Amen? And so John answered them saying, I baptize with water. Now he makes this distinction. I baptize with water, but there one standeth one among you whom you know not. He that is coming after me is preferred before me. He's greater than I am. And I'm not, I'm not worthy to unlatch his shoes. Wow. And all these people flocking to John the Baptist, he's got disciples following him everywhere, and he said, I ain't even worthy to bow down to this man and take his shoes loose. And he's already among you. How did John know that? <coughs> the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Absolutely. John knew when it was time to come baptized, and he came a while before Jesus showed up. That's what he was doing when Jesus showed up. He was already doing it, and he had already done lots of people, and already been questioned about who he was. He had already been he had already been through the ringer of public opinion, and Christ ain't even showed up yet. Ain't that just like God? Lord, why are you leave me dangling out here, letting all these people bite and snap on me all the time? I'll be there a little bit. Don't worry, I got it under control. John, they might bite you, but they're not going to eat you. John's paving the way for for Jesus. Yeah, he was. He's the forerunner. And these things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptized. All this was taking place where John was. And notice this, the forerunner of Christ came, he stalled out at the waters, and he started baptizing people. And so these people came to him to, to find out who he was, because that's where everybody was going. Where are all these people going? They were just flocking to him. Only God can make you that happen with you. He don't have to put you in the middle of Washington, D.C. for you to preach to Washington. You get to get on their toes, they'll send somebody down here in a black suit with sunglasses on and take you off. Amen? Anyway, we better stop right here. We're going to stop right here. We'll be start back up in uh, John uh, chapter 1, verse 29.
going to be on the 25th. Any questions about tonight so far? I think this is the first time they'd ever baptized like this. As far as I know. I mean, before you had to do sacrifices to get right, and he's saying I've, he's got a whole different plan. He's yeah, he came to baptize for repentance. He had these people repenting. He had them believing they were to repent. To what? Of their sins. To to but not the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Nope. I don't it never tells a word that he said. He don't don't even say what he said when he baptized Jesus or if he said anything. Those people he was preaching uh, repentance to them, and he figured if they come in the water they needed to repent, he was washing them with water. Amen. Peter will later say that the baptism that we're baptized with is not the baptism, not the washing of the flesh. That's all he was doing. They were just getting wet. But, they, but he was drawing to them because they knew they had need of repentance. It worked for Jesus when he told them people that brought that adulterous woman to him. Cast her in his feet and said, we're supposed to stone her. What do you say? He said, I say he was without sin, cast the first stone and rolled into the dirt and they walked off. They knew they needed repentance. We know we need repentance. The world knows it needs repentance. But they'd rather live in the darkness than the light. Rebellious. The, the light exposes our need of repentance. It, it exposes what we look like. Well, when I wake, I, I got to quit. When I wake up in the morning, I wake up thinking I'm just as good looking as I was. Any time in my life, and I go in there and turn the light on in the bathroom. <laughs> what is that? Hair, beard. I do got hair that sticks straight up in the morning. Wow. Went there, did you? And that's what the light can do. It makes us look at ourselves and see who we really are. And that's what Jesus does. And that's why so many people are so uncomfortable around Him. My house is all dark. <laughs> <laughs> when the light comes on, it shows all the bugs, all the cockroaches, and you know what they do? They run for a dark place. They like the dark. And sinners do the same thing. When the light comes on and their sin is exposed, they got one of two things they do. They can come to the light or they can run and hide in the darkness. And that's what most of them choose to do. <laughs> and church people do the same thing. Amen? It, it, they do the same thing. God help us. We better quit running from the light and start running to the light. Because mm -hmm. you know what? We're all still in need of repentance. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell you another secret, and then I'm talking this time for sure. <clears throat> repentance is just not saying I'm sorry. It don't work that way. Y'all know how it works? Repentance is saying, I'm sorry, and then you turn away from that junk that you've been in, and you don't do that no more. Yep. Correct. You know why we haven't had spiritual awakening in this country? All the people that prayed uh, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people were called by my name, will repent. You know why? Because nobody has turned from their evil ways yet. Because only after that does he promise, then I will hear from heaven. Then I will forgive you. Then I will heal your land. Mm -hmm. 
we got stuck in this old thing that I can sin and still be saved and, ain't, and God's going to be okay with it. It wasn't okay then, it ain't okay now. And it applies to the church people and the lost people. That's right. Amen. Confessing is not repenting. Confessing ain't the same thing as repenting. No, nope. confessing's a stepping stone to it. Confessing is a stepping stone yeah, to it. You turn around and just keep doing it. But when Confession you turn around and keep doing, doing it, it, you ain't done much of nothing. You ain't really had because he can't help you. He can't. He ain't gonna use you in your sin. Will not use people in their sin. God, does anybody else believe that but me? That's right. If you think for one minute that God's gonna use you in your sin, you're wrong. That's right. That's right. He's not gonna use you for his. You know why? Because he's got his back turned to you for one thing, and he ain't doing nothing but waiting on you to repent. When you repent, he'll turn around and use you then. But until then, you ain't going to go. And that's the same thing this country stagnated in right now. The refusal to turn from their wickedness. Matter of fact, instead of turning, it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And there's a judgment coming to this place. Mm -hmm. They justify it, they think. They think. Mm -hmm. There's a judgment. And it ain't far around the corner. That's right. That's right. We just don't. But we got to save her. That it's all under control. We got to get under His Lordship and keep ourselves there. And we got to do what we know to do that is right. And quit listening to every voice around us trying to make us trip us up and mess us up. <coughs> Amen. I like to quit the church here just a few months ago over that very nonsense right there. I'm telling you. And if you let it get to you, you will too. You'll quit. I'm going to stand and fight for a while, ain't y'all? Amen. Because I believe I'm on the side of the right. And I can tell you this much. The Bible is very plain. Gossip, backstabbers, those type of people, they ain't going to go into the kingdom. They won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. And so why do we let those kind of people push us around? It's time to stand up. And I'm going to tell you their worst nightmare is for them to get called out in front of everybody. Worst nightmare. I love y'all. Brother Dale, would you dismiss us, please? Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for allowing us to be here. Bless Brother Kerry as he's giving us the word out of John, helping us to understand the situation. Dear Lord, we just ask you to forgive us for where we failed you. Lord, we just ask you to come and just touch us so that we can stand and fight and make the old devil turn away and we'll run. Lord, we just ask these things in your Son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.